Welcome to the Dream Machine. My name is Aaron. And my name is Patricia. Hey, Patricia, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you too. And uh, I have to say, we have an episode of Monstrous Proportions. <laughs> yes, uh, so let's uh, get ourselves upwards into space and let's see what it is. Okay. So Monsters vs. Aliens is a DreamWorks 18th an animation film. It is uh, the fourth film in the DreamWorks team of Madagascar. Uh, the film was released generally positively, and uh, though unfortunately it didn't do that great at the box office. But, uh, I mean, I don't know, in regards to what the, uh, Monsters vs. Aliens was trying to um, achieve, I mean, I would say it does it to kind of moderate success. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of good things about this movie, for sure. And, I mean, there's it just gets bogged down by some noticeable flaws. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, um, I guess in regards to the whole feeling of the film, I mean, would you, I don't know, like, in regards to, uh, you know, in the, after, after, you know, with, in regards to Shrek, in regards to Madagascar, and I guess in regards to every other, other film, I don't know, there is, um, there are some bits of it which feel like, you know, they go really well, and actually, you know, uh, there are things that you can get into, but then there's other bits that are just kind of underwhelming, really. Yeah, and and here's the thing, like, I can understand why a lot of people would like this movie, because, you know, it's the classic monsters, and it has the classic aliens, and hey, it's like a big brawl of them together, fighting, so... I can see the appeal of it, but then at, at the same time, when we're when we've been spoiled over the years with the likes of Shrek and Kung Fu Panda, Madagascar, and a few years later we would have How to Train Your Dragon. I guess I can kind of understand why some people felt a little bit underwhelmed with it. Mm -hmm. So we're introduced to Susan, who is uh, a, a reporter at um, the, uh, this uh, the TV network alongside with Derek, and uh, they are eventually about to get married. And, uh, you know, uh, when we finally, when we're introduced to Susan, we're kind of introduced her into a way of like, oh, uh, she knows what her life is going to be like, you know, and uh, she's going to be soon. Um, going to be, you know, wedded up to, uh, to Derek, who's this kind of hotshot reporter. And uh, I don't know, like, uh, when we were, when she was waiting at the, um, you know, outside the chapel, and uh, then Derek just kind of, like, go, goes in at the beginning, it's like, there's part of me that kind of led me to believe that he was going to be the villain of the movie for some strange reason. Yeah, I can definitely see that. He does kind of, like, play off this as this really cocky guy who seems like he pretty much knows it all. It kind of similar to Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just, I don't know, it's because, like, there was part of me that believed, oh, yeah, they're kind of, like, teasing that, oh, she, he's kind of, like, the one who's kind of, like, in control and, uh, and everything like that, and, uh, I thought that was basically going to play out in, like, the, you know, the, the aliens part, part of it when uh, they were finally going to come in, but no, it was, uh, he's mainly just there as, uh, kind of, like, uh, kind of an anchor, really, I guess, to Susan's character. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, it definitely plays into that 1950s archetype about how, Women, you know, they, they feel like the, you know, getting married to a man and starting a family is like part of, you know, their daily, their, you know, their upbringings. And so the fact that it gets pretty much ruined, she feels like she has nothing left, you know, all her life that she has been 
um, you know, waiting for in terms of, you know, this is the guy of my dreams and this is what I'm supposed to do. It just goes away and she she kind of has like this meltdown, which makes it really sad and identifiable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, although all the plan starts to go awry when she gets hit by a radioactive meteorite. <laughs> Didn't do that. As you oh. do. As you do, yeah. Like, uh, that came uh, completely out of nowhere. And uh, so then she uh, grows into a 50-foot giant, uh, destroying the, ch- the entire church in the process. Uh, when the military goes to investigate, uh, they attack Susan, suggest- uh, sedating her with a uh, giant syringe full of tranquilizer. And so, uh, yeah, I think, uh, mind you, like, uh, I'm surprised that, uh, well, I think lucky for her that uh, her uh, clothes also kind of mutated at the same time as she did. So, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it could have been like Terminator in which, you know, when they, you know, tra- transferred it back into the past, mm-hmm. they have no non-organic forms left. So, you know, we could have had a different movie altogether. It makes me wonder if uh, they, w- I wonder if they would have played that joke. I don't know, but uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe for the aliens portion, but I don't think for the monster portion. <laughs> Carry on monstering. Ah, <laughs> uh, boo. <laughs> okay, so um, we get to the part where she's entered into the facility, where she is labeled as a monster, and uh, then gets her name uh, legally changed to Ginormica. Which, uh, and so, then we're introduced to, uh, the general, I believe, who, um, says, so he's kind of like, uh, you know, the, uh, the t- stereotypical, I guess uh, the best way to describe him is, uh, probably the, uh, the soldier from Team Fortress 2, I guess. Oh, like. <laughs> your, yeah, yeah, your, your typical over-the-top soldier who just basically just shouts and, you know, basically takes power and just ridicule uh, ridiculing you know their soldiers very, yeah very similar to like um from full metal jackets you know the the soldier uh, the uh, the general from that movie yeah yeah so uh, i think uh, so he's obviously in in that role and so they meet up with the four monsters bob the missing link dr cockroach and insectosaurus uh, an alien yeah named- which, which uh, bob would actually become like a major focused in the tv series it seemed like they just kind of pushed susan off to the side as like a supporting character and bob just pretty much just took over after that well i can kind of understand because uh, i mean i guess bob wasn't as developed in this film i think as uh, the other ones were because i was trying to think what's what's bob's backstory in this i, can, I, I don't yeah. really know to be quite honest i know because like you know the, the missing link obviously is the missing link you know he was um he was obviously you know fair discovered in a uh, was he was he was he uh, discovered in the North Pole was he? I can't remember exactly. Uh, Probably. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Like, I'm trying to remember, like, uh, off off the top of my head, what he. Uh what, what it was. So, uh, he, oh, he was uh, like- he was captured due to his lack of exercise and uh, activity, apparently, and uh, uh, in his uh, imprisonment regime. So, uh, and uh, so, yeah, he was uh, somewhat captured like a long time ago, and he's basically just been uh, in the facility ever since. So, uh, I gotcha. yeah, okay. uh, Doctor Cockroach. Uh, I believe his backstory that he um, obviously got fused with a cockroach, and uh, now is uh, obviously this. Uh, he apparently he's like one of the most brilliant scientists in the world. Apparently, so he's. Uh, been uh, um, imprisoned in Area 52 for uh, for a considerably long time, and uh, yeah, yeah, then, yeah. then you have Insectosaurus, who is basically just uh, a giant. I think was it nuclear radiation? I think that's um, yeah. I think right. it was nuclear radiation. Oh, yeah, well, insane. Uh, so um, then we're introduced to uh, Galaxa, who is our uh, going to be our uh, who's going to be our villain for the movie. And uh, so uh, I guess I mean, what do we think of our villain? You know, for this uh, for this thing. I mean, in terms of, like, all the other villains that we've had in DreamWorks movies, which, 
you know, aren't a lot, to be quite honest. I mean, we've had, like, a few such as, like, um, let's see, for Ants, we had General Mandible. For um, Prince of Egypt, I guess you can count as Ramses. Um, for the Shrek movies, there's Lord Farquaad, the, the Godmother, mm-hmm. Prince Charming, uh, Rumpelstiltskin. For Megamind, uh, well, we, we, we're not going to get to that point yet. But, yeah. you know, we've had our fair share of villains in terms of, like, DreamWorks movies. And I, I see him as oh, okay, you know, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I was thinking in general, like, I think he's kind of like, I guess he's a bit too stereotypical, I guess, for... Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. I yeah. mean, but, you know, when it comes to, like, DreamWorks villains, I mean, there's not a lot that really stand out personally for me. I think the ones that really do stand out are, like, the Kung Fu Panda villains or, um, you know, Shrek 2's Fairy Godmother's Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, there, and in general, Mandible was a pretty, you know... Yeah, in terms of like you know his what he is as an ant, and you know the Darwinism of, of like wiping you know his civilization to start anew, it, it is pretty cynical. Uh, so yeah, there's there's that. Uh, there's definitely been a lot worse DreamWorks villains, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I definitely say that. So uh, and uh, so um, Galaxar defeats uh, the uh, Quantinium radiation emanating from the Earth and uh, deploy deploys a gigantic robot probe to find it and extract it from its source. Uh, Susan, uh, after a botch attempt by the President of the United States, Stephen Colbert. <laughs> That's so hilarious. I mean, some people say that's the president of the United States. Yeah, some people say that's the best part of the movie. The fact that uh, Stephen Colbert—he is pretty hilarious, I have to say. Just the fact of Stephen Colbert, who you know was along with uh, John, uh, you know John Stewart for the Daily Show, and then he had his own show, basically just making fun of politics. He's now the president of the United States. It's just brilliant. Probably prefer him than Trump. I think I definitely say, oh, yeah. and that's a cheap joke. I apologize. So, but, but no, I mean seriously, he has some of the funniest moments in the movie. I mean, just the fact that he's so tough and he's so bravado, but at the same time, he's just shown off as a coward. And of course, there's that infamous scene in which he's playing to the music and he's dancing, which a lot of people say is pretty dumb. But yeah, you know, I, I find it kind of hilarious. I think just yeah, I think the reason why I think people find it dumb is because so you know the theme he's playing is the Beverly Hills Cop theme, which is you know, I know, a, I know a song and and, and you know um, that that uh, crazy frog pretty much just like made it into a meme. Oh god, I, you you I, got I, that crazy frog as well. I I, I really yes, got... we 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 got crazy frog. Um, I think he was like our uh, you know he was like. The ringtone of the two thousand. Oh my god! I really thought that was just a uh, just a British thing. I no, thought, no, uh, no! Thank you, Guru Larry, for bringing it up. Yeah, it's like uh, so. Um, oh, good grief! But uh, yeah, yeah, but this yeah, is the thing. Like, like a popular ringtone, like you know, well, it's not like, just the yeah, crazy dun, frog dun, that did. Yeah, it's not just the crazy frog that did it though. It was uh, it was parodied in quite. A, you know, it was. Uh, I think even a Super Nintendo game even even had the. Yes, yeah, so it, it was a theme. Super Nintendo game. Uh, I think, and yeah, there and there was even like a whole bunch of ports for like the Commodore and the Amiga and all that stuff. Yeah. So. I think it was just because there was so many variations of that tune i think is because i think everyone was getting sick of it by the time we got to the crazy frog i think Ugh, and uh, you yeah. know now and not to mention there were there were so many sequels to that movie yeah there was and so 
Um, it makes me wonder, like, uh, what, what, I mean, could he have done a better theme? I guess a more funnier theme. I guess. I mean, would it have been more funny if he'd like done? I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe the theme to Independence Day, or uh, like, I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, what yeah. is the theme to Independence Day? Actually, that's a good question. The fact that we don't know the theme to Independence Day, I don't think we even get that reference. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, maybe the theme to Terminator, if it was funny. No, I don't know. Or, or really... Star Trek. Uh, maybe so. Something that would have. Uh, oh, I, you know what would be funny? Tainted love. You know, and all you do is basically just press Ooh, one key. Love? He's like, yeah, duh, duh, duh. That would have been hilarious if he, he'd probably done that. But uh, no, nah, I don't think he was gonna. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't but, think he would play too well. Yeah, I don't yeah think. but uh, seriously, it's like, I, I mean, it, I mean, there could have been worse songs out there. Maybe it could have been like a, a song that was like really popular at the time. And, you know, maybe would have been, like, playing out. And, and that would have definitely dated the movie even more. Probably, yeah. So, uh, mind you. Yeah, especially, Be- I mean, Beverly Hills Cop. Movies have always been known for their pop culture references. So, yeah, yeah I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have, you know, pulled off a stunt in which, like, hey, we're going to do something that's, you know, that was popular then. And now it's going to be dated in a few years. So, mm-hmm. By the way, um, you know, they got they have the whole scene where they're flying uh, in, in the massive, you know, uh, military ca- airplane. And uh, you finally get to see, like, a close-up of, like, the uh, the monster department logo thing. And it's basically Shrek's head. head. On, yes, on a metal yes. wise. Like, I was like, oh my goodness. Like, you know, that's a... I mean, I, I can understand, to be fair, because Shre- Shrek Forever After was going to be their next movie. Because it came out in 2009, and Shrek Forever After came out in 2010. Yeah. I was wondering, like, you know, I was wondering, you know, is Monsters and Ali- versus Aliens and Shrek all live in the same universe? I guess. Oh, uh, man. You, you, we're going to go with the Pixar theory, aren't we? Uh, well, I'm just thinking about that because I'm just wondering in the timeline. I mean, I guess Monsters vs. Aliens take place, say, I dare I say, but if it's like a, a cheap 1950s movie, like a monster movie, I think probably that maybe it takes place in the 1950s and 60s. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, that's, that's where they're going for. And maybe Shrek, you know, the Shrek universe takes place, like, you know, like centuries before then. Maybe. I wouldn't be and, surprised. Yeah, like maybe Shrek. I mean, you know how in Shrek. It's always open like a book in a fairy tale. So mm-hmm. maybe Shrek is the fairy tale, and maybe it's become so well known that it's pretty much been plastered in the DreamWorks universe. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh my God, wait, his, it's instruction. <laughs> <laughs> Your puns hurt so badly, Aaron. Uh, anyway, wasn't there a movie we're supposed to be talking about? Uh, yeah, I believe yeah, yeah, Monsters vs. Aliens. So, right. Yeah, we, we get introduced to the other cast and we get introduced to the villain and the president of the United States. And basically, it, it just follows into the path of the monsters preparing the fight against the aliens. Mm. There's this huge alien um, invasion that's going to be happening, and they're going to be prepared for it. And we see Susan is just not equipped for it. She's was going to be a housewife to this reporter, and she has to learn and develop as a character in terms of that now she has been, you know... Ca- uh, she has been drafted to basically save the world from aliens. I've got an interesting question for you. I, I, there's, there's one thing I need to ask you before I, I, I put it on to you. Have you ever seen Suicide Squad? No. Okay. Um, on what you know of Suicide Squad, do you think maybe Monsters vs. Aliens probably did this better than Suicide Squad? Possibly, because from what I understand about Suicide Squad is that it's a group of villains who all hate Batman, and they gather together. And mm. that's... And, you know, you have Killer Croc, you have uh, Harley Quinn, you have the Joker. You have characters that you know of, and they're, you know, it's in Gotham City. And, you know, they have, the, you know, they gather together, and 
you uh, I don't know in terms of how much backstory they get because it, when team up movies like this it's very difficult to like build up enough time to develop each and every single individual character with their own backstories and their own agendas. I think the smart thing that the Avengers has done and I know that everybody's sick and tired of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point but hear me out. Um, I would think that in Monsters vs. Aliens, there are some characters that get a lot more development than others. And I'm, I take it that Suicide Squad is the same thing. But um, uh, in terms of like characters that we come to know and appreciate, like whether it be Bob or whether it be Susan or whether it be um, you know the, the missing link, then yeah, um, they, they are interesting characters that we want, want to know more of. And you know them going together to fight off aliens, I mean, sure. I, I mean, from what I understand from Suicide Squad, I think they did pull it off a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Because we know what their motive is, and we know that they were called to fight off the this alien force that's trying to essentially, you know, take over the world. Because of course they do. Yeah, because uh, I mean, in a way, I'm not sure because uh, the way that it was executed in Suicide Squad, and uh, I think maybe uh, maybe probably comparing it to the Suicide Squad movie probably might be a bit unfair. But I guess in regards to like, let's say we're basically stripped down the movies and we basically put it down to basically the the, the story. I mean, dare I say maybe Suicide Squad maybe probably did it a little bit better than probably Monsters vs. Aliens because this general apparently just throws them into this situation and just expects them to kind of like you know do something. I mean, it kind of reminds... You know what? It gives me... This movie, some for some strange reason, gave me a lot of We're Back a Dinosaur Story vibes. You have this professor who just shows up out of nowhere and gives these dinosaurs the intelligence so that they can be able to, you know, help these kids out, accomplish their dreams of wanting to see dinosaurs in the middle future. And then they just get dropped off into New York City without them knowing about anything. And then they're supposed to just find Central Park by themselves. It's like, yeah, like you're expecting dinosaurs to learn about our future and you're not going to take them yourself. Yeah, and like it's just another thing that putting real dinosaurs in the middle of New York City is going to be uh, not going to spook a couple of people. And it also doesn't help much that we do have one scene in which Susan is skating with, um, you know, car skates into a bridge. And the same thing also happened in We're Back in which... Rex, uh, the, ty- the Tyrannosaurus Rex, because haha, creative name. Mm-hmm. When they were trying to escape from the um, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, you know he uses a dump, uh, um, he uses a, um, a pickup truck, and he uses it as a skateboard, and he skates on top of the Brooklyn Bridge. So we're, we're, right now, we're using references. Uh, we're back and Suicide Squad. I mean, this this movie is not doing too, <laughs> this movie is not doing too well at the minute in the first in the first in the first and second act. And uh, so, I mean, so obviously they uh, they have to deal with this robot, and they chase they chase this robot across the city, and uh, Bob gets stuck underneath the robot's foot, you know, out of you know the chewing gum thing. And uh, so Susan lures the robot into the Golden Gate Bridge, where the missing link has been knocked out, unable to fight. Insectosaurus then arrives and defeats the robot. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I mean, it would have been really cool if we would have gotten like a little bit more with the missing link because. You know, he's the missing link. I would think that maybe he would have, like, the powers of, like, you know, the strength of the Yeti or a Sasquatch in which he can be able to defeat things. But I guess, you know, him being um, a wild monster taken up against a robot, I guess it kind of 
makes sense. Maybe like primitive versus modern technology. It's it's a bit of a mismatch to me because I mean, it, it might, like from what I gather, he's a, he's an amphibious creature. So if anything, he's kind of like Aquaman. So uh, I thought. Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, but then again, he doesn't like shoot water or anything like that. No, he doesn't. So. Uh, so, uh, now, basically, so apparently that wins them their freedom, and so they're able to roam around. So Susan returns to her hometown and introduces her family and friends to the monsters, who are quickly uh, dejected after innocently causing a panic ruckus in the neighborhood. Uh, Derek, meanwhile, breaks up with Susan, uh, claiming that uh, they can't be married to someone who who could overshadow his career. So uh, I yeah. mean, I, I guess I can understand that, because once again, going into the whole 1950s ordeal in terms of, like, you know, the men is the dominant one, and he's supposed to be the one to support the family, and He's supposed to be like the man of the house and the the king of the castle, if you will. And if a woman is overshadowing him, then that's equally, you know, then that's you know considered to be bad. So, I mean, at the time, I can understand that. I mean, if if they are going for the whole 1950s thing, which they are in terms of like, you know, the way that the monsters are designed and the way that the people act, again, I can understand this. Yeah. So, so this this bit's yeah. kind of awkward, really, because it's kind of like, uh, oh, you, you know, Derek obviously breaks up breaks up with Susan, and then obviously he's written out with the, the rest of the film until the very end. So it's like, uh, it's, yes, uh, yeah. I, I understand that, but um, at the same time, this is definitely to build up more of Susan's character as. She's now a completely different person, not in terms of like her physical size, but in terms of, you know, who she became. In the beginning of the movie, she was ready to marry this guy and ready to start off her life as a housewife. But now she's 50 feet tall. She's, um, you know, met up with other creatures that she probably wouldn't have never met in regular circumstances. And she can fight off against giant creatures and aliens. So and even a robot. So. You know, she's actually become a much more stronger person than Derek ever could. Yeah, I think like, but then they gave they give her the monologue of her basically saying, "Oh yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I am stronger than this guy." And uh, I think I don't know. There's part of me that believes that that was a bit too early. I think it wouldn't have had more effect if, if they left it to the very end when she confronted Derek again and they said, "You know what? I am stronger than you." You know, lift him into the air and throw him across the you know, halfway across the world or something like that. You know, I think, yeah, I, oh, I can def- I, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, um, so, obviously then, I'll tell you one thing that I like about this movie, and do you know the one thing it doesn't do? What? The, the whole, uh, oh, all the friends are going to fall out and they're all going to go their separate ways and then they come back they come back together at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah, like Scooby-Doo. Yeah, like, you know, like, uh, the, 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 at least it doesn't do that cliché. You know, like, uh, just like... I can uh, understand, uh, yeah, you know. definitely. It doesn't leave off until, like, they have a huge disagreement and then they decide to separate and then at the end there's just this giant... Um, you know, force that forces them to come back together. So, yeah, at least they do stick together toward the end. Yeah, they do. So, uh, um, and um, so I like the way this uh, this bit. I like the way the final third actually goes. I think the final yeah, third actually, actually is pretty like good. It too. Yeah, it was actually pretty fun, and and you know, it does have it has the most action throughout the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, Galaxo captures Susan, and uh, obviously to enhance uh, to get the uh, uh, the radio radiation out of her to uh, obviously enhance his. Uh, uh, army of clones, uh, funnily enough, to, uh, to to do that. And uh, mind you, uh, this bit they uh, they also play up the uh, you know the 3D elements. And actually, that's one thing that actually they do that throughout the uh, the, um, the throughout the movie. Like the, the the 3D effects that they go for in this film, I just don't think. I think they stick out a little bit to me. Like they don't, I, this, uh, was when, this was when 3D was having a huge comeback. This yeah. was when they decide ever since the likes of. 
various movies being released on 3D and kind of like upping the effects. This has been a trend that has happened around the late 2000s, early 2010s, in which there were movies that clearly didn't need to be 3D. They just did it for the sake of, oh, you know, we can get some more money and ticket revenue, you know, to show off that we have 3D effects. But if you're looking at it in 2D, it just looks awkward. Yeah, uh, so about as well. Like, if you're watching it today, when you know, kind of like three, the three D gimmick is kind of like you know subsided, and uh, you know you're watching a four K television without any three D dimensional effects, uh, you know, Monsters vs Aliens doesn't translate well. It's just kind no, of like, it doesn't. No, and, and uh, some of that as well. I think they should have uh, when when they knew the three D gimmick was gone, they should have just uh, you know they probably should have done dare I say just done a two D version of it. And just said, you know, yeah, oh, hey, that's that. true. Yeah, because I was watching it on the BBC uh, on one time on BBC One during Christmas, and uh, when it was on, it was like uh, because BBC doesn't do 3D, you know, it's uh, it's just you can see the effects are there, and uh, it would have been more effective. Like you know, the bit when the Galaxo was going on his monologue about how uh, he's trying to capture um, uh, Susan. Uh, yeah, for his yeah, plot and uh, and all the stuffs like floating around in front of him, and you can see like they're doing the whole the blurred things, and then he like uh, you know reaches out to like grab you know, bits and pieces and that. Like, it would have been more effective if, like, they were, like, floating, like, around him in, like, a spit, in, like, a sphere. So, like, you know, you, like, you pan around with the camera and then you can see all the things that, uh, you know, are floating around him and then you just, you know, grab one out and things like that. Maybe then the 3D probably would have translated a bit better to it, but uh, in regards to um, that scene, I just think it, it sticks out a bit, really, for me. Yeah, and, and you know, when in terms of like other 3D effects uh, that's been featured in other DreamWorks movies, yeah, they they just don't really nail it very well. The only times in which I have seen it done really, really good is with How to Train Your Dragon and the Kung Fu Panda movie, and that's pretty much it as far as I can remember. Yeah. So, with the assistance of General Monger, Bob, Cockroach, Dr. Cockroach, and the Missing Link infiltrate Galaxar's ship, uh, rescue Susan, and hotwire the uh, ship's power core, activating the ship's self-destruct sequence. Uh, the monsters then think that the aliens are running scared, but they are running towards the door cl- before the doors close. Missing Link throws off an, an alien uh, off his uh, hoover- hovering scooter and uh, hops on to uh, go uh, goes fast. <coughs> grabbing his friends, uh, but uh, the Hoover scooter is weighed down because of all the monsters on, on the scooter, so uh, yeah, you can see there's like this massive action scene that uh, comes out through that, and uh, you know, the, the fight scenes are pretty good as well. In, yeah, in, yeah. In all I, as well. I mean, it's not as like, it's not as um, like amazing compared to like Kung Fu Panda, but yeah, I think that the fight scene is uh, it is pretty good, I must say. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the the choice of, um, obviously, um, you know, Galaxar, you know, obviously harvesting, you know, Susan's, you know, radiation to, well, uh, I mean, and she, uh, and given the choice to get, kind of go back to normal again. Like, uh, you know, obviously there's that kind of, like, whole debate of that. And also you mentioned as well the uh, the, the time that, uh, that it was in as well. So uh, it was um, it was all, uh, all, all the kind of, like, the, you know, the ethics of... Uh, Things going on, so that was kind of fun to uh, to kind of watch you know, the uh, the back and forth between Susan and Galaxar in mm-hmm. uh, in that regard. So uh, the monsters receive a huge welcome when they finally defeat him, and uh, Galaxar attempts to uh, get back uh, with uh, Susan for the sake of interviewing her, uh, which will benefit his career. Instead, Susan rejects him and forces him to enjoy a humiliation of being thrown in- into the air and caught, uh, swallowed and spit out by Bob on camera. Uh, and at that moment, the monsters are alerted to a monster attack, a giant snail uh, near Paris, to fly off uh, to combat the new menace. And so a new team is born. 
pretty much. Yeah, so, so you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they, I mean, with the, with the exception of maybe a few shorts and then the TV series, I'm surprised they didn't do any more sequels based off of Monsters vs. Aliens. Well, there is a reason for that. And uh, so, um, this movie, surprisingly enough, was actually far more expensive than some other movies that uh, DreamWorks, even Pixar for that matter, have produced. Would you believe this, bu- this budget is actually $175 million? I guess I'm not surprised considering about how much of the 3D effects that was added into this movie. Yeah, and, and uh, maybe and maybe uh, another thing that probably got the movie to be a little bit more expensive was maybe you know the gelatinous body of Bob. Maybe they needed to have some more money on that, or maybe it was the celebrity cameos. I'm not sure. Having having the celebrity cameos, I think, were probably. Uh, I'll be interested to see how much uh, Stephen Colbert was paid for that appearance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, when we get to Shrek 2, we're going to be discussing about how much money was, you know, given to um, Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, and Ed- Eddie Murphy, and then the rest was going to go to the movie. We'll, yeah. we'll discuss about that next time. Definitely. And so uh, the budget for this movie was, was, as I said again, $175 million, and it only pulled in about $381 million. So uh, I mean, it, it, it made three times its budget, so you know that's not bad. But mm-hmm. considering that you know we've had other movies like Prince of Egypt and Shrek, which like quadrupled its money, I, I guess I can kind of see it as like it was a moderate success. I think they probably were looking at probably when they were probably doing it, they're probably looking to go five times their budget, which I know would probably be excessive. I think in regards to that, but uh, I think uh, I don't think they realized that there was it was. Um, I think people took a look at it and thought, yeah, this is cicadas of the 3d gimmick on top of that as well i think the audience for it i think was a little bit too niche i think if you ask me because if they're going on the whole thing of like uh, you know um 1950s monster movies and things like that like uh, maybe that's okay for like uh, you know the people who kind of grew up with godzilla and grew up with those kind of like you know films and that but you know that was you know people like that were far and few between and so yeah, uh, but nowadays yeah. it's gone a lot more um, mainstream because Godzilla is becoming a lot more popular. Uh, Pacific Rim has really came in terms of like monsters uh, versus like giant robots. And um, I think that, uh, you know, we've had a lot more um, other kaijus and, you know, tokusatsu has become a lot more mainstream in terms of like with Power Rangers and Kamen Rider and stuff. I think that if this movie would have came out today, I think it would have been a much more bigger success than it was almost 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, I mean, who knows, like uh, maybe, you know, uh, well, what, it took us, uh, how long did it take us to get an Incredibles 2 sequel? Uh, sorry, Incredibles um, sequel? About or? eight years. So maybe, maybe in another, oh, mind you, it's been 2009 since it was released and it's 2018 now as of this broadcast. But uh, so, um, I mean, who knows, maybe in another couple of years time, maybe they might turn around and say, hey, maybe we might give Monsters vs. Aliens another try. And uh, maybe it might even be a, a, a demo for like some other technology they might want to use. Maybe. Yeah, let's so. just hope it's not a tech demo like the good dinosaur. Was yeah, I agree with that uh, totally. But yeah, I think that. But you you remember, um, you know, Guillermo del Toro. You know, the movie that got him last year's Oscar was essentially a love story about a monster and a human being. So if that can win an Oscar, then. I think that a sequel to Monsters vs. Aliens, I mean, it, it seems like it can be done. It, it came out a year after the first Iron Man, and this was before there was the buildup of the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if we can have that, and maybe we can have like other monsters coming into terms of like teaming up for a bigger and badder um, alien group, or maybe like the entire galaxy is, is at risk, then I can definitely see that. Yeah. 
A uh, bit of trivia, actually, to this film as well. Uh, would you believe, uh, Patricia, out of all the DreamWorks animations films, this is actually the second DreamWorks animation film to have a female protagonist? Yeah, yeah, you're right, because the first one was Ginger from Chicken Run. Yeah, and so uh, we'll uh, definitely be taking... And uh, by the way, we'll be uh, re reviewing uh, Chicken Run on, in on Remembrance Day. So uh, that's what I'm scheduled for that one. And that's crazy, don't you think? Because it took them... Let's see, Chicken Run came out in, what, 2001? And then that was like another eight years until we had Susan. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's crazy that, you know, they've had less female protagonists. And I, I would be... I mean, I, I'm surprised that there hasn't been any more. I mean, let's see. Uh, I guess to be fair, Pixar can also be, you know, do, you know the same thing because hey, how many female protagonists do they have in that? Here's an interesting debate. Mind you, we'll probably debate this during the Shrek films, but uh, would you say Princess Fiona was a joint, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, female lead, no, sorry, female protagonist? With, a joint uh, female protagonist? Oh, yeah, sorry. I mean, a, a female protagonist, like on the same level as like Donkey and Shrek. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, of course. I mean, I can't see Princess Fiona without, you know, Shrek or Donkey. I mean, she's like a major part in the in the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. So, uh, maybe you could maybe you could argue maybe she's maybe a slight third, I guess, uh, of uh, she's not obviously not the main, you know, protagonist of the show, but one of them. You know, yeah, one like, of them, yeah, 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 exactly. And also, uh, just some more for trivia as well. Uh, this was the third DreamWorks animation film to be produced in two uh, colon six, 35 colon one aspect ratio. The only other films to do that is, Spir is Spirit Stallion of Simarin and Kung Fu Panda. Okay, so I guess that's what made it a little bit more expensive to work on. Uh, probably is, yeah, I guess. So uh, yeah, but uh, there was also there was also as you mentioned there was a television series uh, which uh, also came out of it as well, and uh, but mind you there is also a, another uh, special that came out and because it's Halloween we thought uh, we'd expand the, expand this out a bit more and that is uh, that uh, Monsters vs Aliens also had a uh, Halloween special. Yes, it did. Which you know it makes perfect sense because it does have monsters in it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll tell you what, and the one thing is I've already forgotten what the title of it is. It's Monsters vs Aliens: um, The uh, Mutant Pumpkins from Outer Space. I believe it I was called. I think that's the one. Yeah, yeah. it's about so, it's definitely about mutant pumpkins. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, the 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 long and short of it basically is that uh, these uh, aliens come come down and uh, put this uh, fluid into uh, this pumpkin patch. Uh, the pumpkins come to life and uh, then uh, they slowly uh, get themselves uh, bought by. Uh, by humans, and uh, then uh, they eventually start to invade the uh, the neighborhood and uh, start to uh, try to eat everyone's candy. Yeah, so, uh, very similar to Gremlins in a sense. You know, you have like these cute little mogwais, and then you know they turn into like these vicious creatures, and then they start attacking everything. Yeah, I would say it's more uh, similar to kind of small soldiers, kind of like you know they take the pumpkins home, and then all of a sudden they come to life, and then all of a sudden they start causing chaos. So it's like mm -hmm. uh, I guess you could say it's a little bit kind of like that, I guess. But, uh, middle Earth, little, it's, little... it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. <laughs> so uh, and uh, so, mind you, for a thirty-minute short, I mean, like it's not really thirty; it's a kind of Halloween special, I guess you could say. Like for a for a thirty-minute uh, uh, show, I guess you could definitely say that uh, they they try to put in as many elements of it as possible. Like you have uh, Susan who really wants to go home for Halloween, but uh, then finds out that she has to work, and so uh, she has to kind of like you know bluff her parents that she's actually you know doing trick or treating and like being home for the family and stuff, and. Uh, you know, while they try and find the alien, and uh, then you have uh, Doctor Cockroach, who's uh, reliving his uh, experience of being beaten up for his candy when uh, he was a child, and uh, then you have uh, you know um, the missing Link, who's uh, always wanted to go to, to a Halloween, 
been but uh, has never had a chance to do so because he's been locked up in Area 51 for uh, most of his life and then you have uh, you know um, uh, Bob who's uh, just uh, kind of uh, being himself really so uh, yeah uh, again like you know he's pretty much like the fan favorite of the series mm-hmm. like, they're in a lot of, I'll tell you what you know kudos for them to throwing in a lot of story elements into it so, well. yeah yeah I mean they could have just easily just you know had a typical story about you know pumpkin aliens from outer space just coming down and just attacking stuff but no they actually did bring a story into this which you know com- is actually pretty commendable because I mean, it, it could have just been filled with gags and just lazy jokes. I tell you what, actually, they also threw in like I tell you, they threw in a lot of evidence to it because if you fo- if you follow the credits at the very end, it's like eight minutes of the running time. So it's like yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. How, that's how crazy. It, it's it was. like Scott, it's almost like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, in which they have so many people working on this that the credits go for a very long time. And we're not talking about like Mighty Number no. Nine in terms of like all the patrons who like donated money to it, and it's like thirty minutes long. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that was uh, so it came up with a very uh, uh, amazing Halloween special as well. So uh, yeah, we've had uh, quite a treat of uh, Monsters versus Aliens, I guess you could say. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. For anybody who overlooked this movie when it first came out, thinking that uh, it's, it's it sounds pretty stupid, then I would suggest that actually give it a chance because if you're into like um, fun adventure, if you're into spooky aliens that have a little bit of fun to them, if you're into Stephen Colbert being president <laughs> of the United States, and if you want a a female protagonist who is going through a lot but finds herself. Um, you know, changing her life, then I do recommend that you check it out. And so if you have kids, uh, you're progressive and a fan of monster movies, definitely check out Monsters vs. Aliens. So, uh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, whether it's better than Hotel Transylvania, that's up to you to decide. Uh, I, 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 well, I'm, uh, is Hotel Transylvania on our list? Uh, I don't know if it no, is or not. No, no, that, 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 that's Sony Pictures Animation. So Thank no, you. It's yeah. not on our list. No, definitely not. Oh, man, imagine if we have to, have to go through the Sony Pictures at one point. Like uh, that's there, well. To be fair, there's there's really not a lot. So I mean, we'll probably like tore it off and like I don't know. Like yeah, a, but that means we have to, pe- maybe like a summer or something. Yeah, but that means that means we have to watch the Smurfs. I don't want to watch the Smurfs. <sighs> oh, God. Anyway, moving on from that. Um, so there was one other Halloween special that I think we should uh, pretty much note, uh, which is Scared Shrekless, which was a TV and also a DVD special for uh with for featuring Shrek characters, and uh, it was kind of like Treehouse of Horror. I guess you yeah, could say, yeah. So. It, it does feature a lot of like anthology stories to the Shrek characters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, though, interesting enough, though, uh, you know, uh, Donkey, he's not played by Eddie Murphy. No, he's not. I, I think that he's the same guy who voiced him in Mulan Two. I think, where he's essentially trying to be an impersonation of Eddie Murphy. I think, uh, you know, prove me, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's who he is. Yeah, it's kind of like that joke in Bowfinger, isn't it? It's like uh, you know the, uh, the you know they have uh, Eddie Murphy playing the uh, you know, his uh, you know his stunt double as well. So it's like uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I guess I'm su- I'm not surprised that they couldn't get Eddie Murphy for this because uh, I think they did get did, 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 correct me if I'm wrong. They did they did get the other characters like the the other voice actors. Right? Well, they didn't get Rupert Everett to play uh, Prince Charming. Let's get Sean Bishop uh, again, to do that. That's understandable. Yeah. You know. But here's the thing about this. Like, you know, was this at the time when Eddie Murphy was starting to become desperate and like uh, his like yes. all his movie projects? That's, were... that's exactly what I was gonna say too because. This was when he was doing like all of those really, really mediocre family films just so he can be able to stay afloat. 
And I, I was just about to mention that maybe, you know, he kind of like fell from grace at that point. So maybe they either didn't want to have Eddie Murphy or maybe they couldn't afford Eddie Murphy. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, let yeah me, let me, I'm, I'm really surprised. I'm really surprised he never did um, that, that TV special because that was in 2010. And uh, do you want me to read out the movies that um, uh, Eddie Murphy was doing in 2010? Sure. Okay. Um, the first movie he did was The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, the, the next one after that was I Spy with Owen Wilson. Uh, I've never heard of it. Okay. Uh, the next one was Imagine That. Yes. Okay. I know about this one because uh, I think this is a Nickelodeon movie, is it? Uh, I think so, yeah. Um, so I know about I I was really close to actually reviewing this movie in my first Nickelodeon tribute back in 2012, and oh man, it is just so desperate. It it, it it's it, I don't I feel like it's like a ripoff of the Adam Sandler movie where you have you know those kids that imagine everything. So it it feels like that almost. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next uh, one after that was Meet Dave. Oh God, I I forgot about that movie. But mm-hmm. I, I I remember seeing it once, and I was just so, I was just so, just disappointed that you know that it was that it was getting into that point because I, I it just it was so bad, it yeah. was really bad. And then on 2010, I don't know who on earth demanded this, but it was a re-release of Norbit. Oh God. Yeah. And would you believe in that same year, uh, all of them won the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Actor of the Decade? Yep, I am not surprised. Yep, so uh, that was 2010 for Eddie Murphy, so I was very surprised that he never picked up Scared Shreckless to at least try and get a check. So, uh, but um, there you go. So, um, we anyway, move back to uh, Scared Shreckless. Uh, the um, the shorts basically include uh, The Bride of Gingy, which includes uh, uh, Gingerbread Man uh, getting a girlfriend and uh, built with so much sugar that uh, she basically you know loves everything about him. And then so she ends up having to destroy her, only to find out that you know there's multiple zombies, clones of herself have now appeared. And, uh, and basically signs, signs it off with uh, saying that uh, he was killed at the end of it, despite the fact that he's actually in the middle of the room telling the story. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that moment in The Simpsons where it's like, you know, one time there was a coal miner strike and then the coal collapsed and not anyone made it alive, not even Willie. <laughs> 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 oh, my goodness. And then there was Boots Motel, and so uh, Donkey and Puss tell the story of them uh, taking shelter in a thunderstorm at the Boots Motel, which is uh, a parody of the Bates Motel from Psycho. So uh, that was uh, that, that was short. And then there was the, uh, the oh, my God, the name of this one, the Shrekserist. And if you think these puns, these puns hurt so bad. Yeah, you thought, and you thought my pun of instruction was bad. You know, like, uh, it, it, it's still bad though. <laughs> yeah. So uh, basically, if you got a chance to check that out, then uh, then do so. So it originally aired on NBC, and then it was released on DVD. Uh, I've had a chance to like watch some clips, but I've not actually had a chance to like watch the full thing. So, yeah. Um, and you're probably wondering why are we talking scared Shrekless? Well, two reasons. Number one, obviously, it's Halloween. And number two, um, you know, we dis- when we discussed about a Chicken Run, even though that technically it is the fourth of the DreamWorks lineup, we're actually going to be doing a switch because of Remembrance Day, which is on the 11th. So next time we're actually going to be talking about the first Shrek movie, and then we're going to talk about Chicken Run. Yeah, so uh, for anyone who was confused by that last part, there you go. So, yeah. uh, cool. 
Well, that's it, I think, for uh, the uh, the Dream Machine Halloween special. So uh, I have been Aaron. And I've been Patricia. And good night, whatever you are. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs>